Now, the Three Martini Lunch with Greg Corumbus and Jim Garrity. And welcome, everyone, to the Wednesday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. Alexander DeSanctis of National Review in for Jim Garrity once again today. Jim will be back on Thursday. I'm Greg Corumbus of Radio America. We have good, bad, and crazy martinis for conservatives today. All of it brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Right now, Three Martini Lunch listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash martini. Much more on that in just a few minutes. And Alexandra, there's always seems to be an explosion of pro-life-related news when you sub for Jim, and I can't imagine one bigger than what we saw last night in Alabama. Here's the Associated Press story. Alabama's Senate passed a near-total ban on abortion Tuesday, sending what would be the nation's most stringent abortion law to the state's Republican governor. The GOP-dominated Senate voted 25-6 to 6 to make performing an abortion at any stage of pregnancy a felony punishable by up to 99 years or life in prison for the abortion provider. The only exception would be when the woman's health is at serious risk. Senators rejected an attempt to add an exception for rape and incest. The amendment was voted down 21-11 to 11 with just four Republicans joining Democrats. Quote, you don't care anything about babies having babies in this state being raped and incest, Democratic Senator Bobby Singleton said on the Senate floor after the amendment's defeat. Quote, you just aborted the state of Alabama with your rhetoric with this bill, unquote. Bill sponsor uh, Representative Terry Collins said she expects Governor Kay Ivey to sign the ban into law. The governor has not commented publicly on what she plans to do, although the lopsided vote suggests a veto could be easily overcome. So, Alexandra, what do you make of the decision and the, uh, the speculation that this is essentially building up to the Supreme Court deciding whether Roe stands? You know, I think it's a really interesting case. This is the most, uh, you know, if signed into law will be the most, um, the strictest pro-life law in the entire country. So on one level, you know, philosophical level, I'm obviously really glad to see it happen. I think it's awesome that there's a state where that overwhelming of a majority uh, in the legislature to pass a bill like this, that you know, not only restricts abortion just as a matter of it being right, but recognizes fetal personhood too. Like that, it's just a really good uh, cheering thing to see. But I do think tactically, um, there are a lot of pro-life people, myself included to some extent, who see this, maybe, I wouldn't say as an error, that's probably too strong, but would be concerned about a bill like this going to the Supreme Court, given its current makeup, because I don't think a bill like this, it, it, it's certainly not incremental um, and probably is less likely to lead to a rolling back of, of precedents like Casey and Roe than something like a 20-week ban or a dismemberment abortion ban. Um, so tactically, I'm not really sure where I come down on it, but it certainly is heartening to see just, you know, in its substance. As you mentioned, the, the lopsided vote uh, besides, and of course, uh, even though, as, as the story said, the, one of the lead sponsors in the state house there is, is a woman, uh, basically every mainstream media outlet is pointing out that 25 white men voted for this, Alexandra. So uh, therefore, it's somehow uh, diminished in some way or the, the, the women don't have a voice because it's all men voting for it. This talking point annoys me so much. I mean, for one thing, if it's signed into law, it will be by a female. Um, and I don't think that's going to make abortion rights supporters like the bill anymore just because a woman has signed it. There's a woman sponsoring the bill, which is totally ignored. Plus, on top of that, I always like to point out that seven white men were the deciding votes in Roe v. Wade that legalized abortion for the entire country you know, by judicial fiat. So I don't see anyone complaining about that when they're talking about abortion rights. Yeah, and I would 
imagine that uh, these people didn't get elected without any women voting for them. So uh, isn't that the point of the legislature is that they speak for the they speak for the people in the state? And I would assume that includes the women. You would think so. But of course, pro-life women are all, you know, constantly disregarded by by the left because we're inconvenient for their case. So we might as well not exist. Wow. Wow. Well, we'll be talking about women and elections in just a moment in our bad martini. But in the meantime, if you're looking to hire anybody, uh, if you're looking to hire at your business, if you're looking to hire a new state legislator, hiring is challenging. But there is one place you can go where hiring is simple, fast and smart, a place where growing businesses connect to qualified candidates. And that place is ZipRecruiter.com slash martini. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, three Martini Lunch listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash martini. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash M-A-R-T-I-N-I. ZipRecruiter.com slash martini. After all, ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. All right, Alexander, let's move to our bad martini now. And Beta O'Rourke is relaunching his presidential campaign just two months after he launched it the first time because... Whether it's Pete Buttigieg or Joe Biden getting in, uh, Beto's not doing too well anymore in Iowa, in New Hampshire, or nationally. Basically, he wants some more attention, so he's making the media rounds again. And he went on The View yesterday and continued what has been a massive apology tour that he's been on for a very long time now, even since the Texas Senate debate, uh, where against Ted Cruz, he said that... uh, Uh, He's had extra chances because of his white privilege, and he continues to talk about privilege, saying that's the reason he was on the cover of Vanity Fair, and that was a mistake. Other people wouldn't have that opportunity afforded to them, so therefore that's more privilege. And then the issue of uh, a previous comment that he made, that he would be more than willing to consider Stacey Abrams as his running mate. Stacey Abrams, of course, was the Democratic nominee for governor of Georgia last year, who continues to dispute the fact that she was defeated by more than 50,000 votes in that election. And so yesterday on The View, Beta O'Rourke had this to say about Stacey Abrams and possibly picking a female running mate if he's ever the nominee. On, on Stacey Abrams, I was responding to a question about all these extraordinary women who who are running for president right now, uh, a point with which I couldn't agree more. But I I also just wanted to make the point there are a number of women who aren't running, may run, including Stacey Abrams, who is a real hero to me. The grace with which she met that defeat on an unfair, unlevel playing field with the secretary of state, uh, perhaps rigging in, in part uh, that election, her focus on democracy form, a new voting rights act, uh, ensuring that every single vote counts in this country is inspiring stuff at a time that our democracy is so badly broken. Uh, if I were fortunate enough to be the nominee, um, it's, it's hard to imagine a scenario where I, I wouldn't be fortunate enough to also be able to run with one of these extraordinary women in our country, either a contender now for the nomination or someone who's, who's not currently yeah. contending. Very important that our government looks like the people of this country. So, Alexander, which do you appreciate more in that comment from Beta O'Rourke? The fact that he considers not admitting that you lost grace 
or the fact that he accuses Brian Kemp of possibly in part rigging the election? Oh, there's just so much to unpack here. I mean, first of all, there's no evidence whatsoever that uh, there was any kind of voter you know, suppression in Georgia. In fact, there were more voters. I can't remember the exact numbers, but more voters by some huge margin than there w- were in the past election. So if they were trying to suppress turnout, um, Republicans did a really bad job. Stacey Abrams has yet to concede a race that she has produced zero evidence of having been rigged or voter suppression, anything at all. Um, but on top of that, this this comment also reminds me of a couple of weeks ago when Cory Booker announced that he would have a woman uh, running mate as well. And you just have to wonder, first of all, you know, are you really going to try and pander this much? Is that how desperate you are? But on top of that, if it's so important to have representation of women and you know women of color or whatever else, maybe they should be president and not you. Yeah, that's exactly what seems to be the the rejoinder to a lot of this. So uh, you and I probably don't understand the psyche of the typical Democratic primary voter. I think we should probably admit that up front and it won't surprise anyone. But does the pandering work because Biden did it before he got in? Beto's been doing it nonstop. They obviously think it's going to help somehow. But is it? I don't know. I think that they're running. Uh, David French and I talk about this a lot on Order of Liberty. We call it the, the Twitter primary, the Twitter Democratic primary. It's as if these people are running to appeal to the sort of woke, hip, progressive who reads Vox, you know, and Slate and not the people who are actually voting in the primary. Of course, those people comprise some portion of the electorate, the primary electorate. But I think the average person really is not thinking in those terms. And they wouldn't not vote for you if Stacey Abrams is your running mate. But you know, going out on the trail and talking about this instead of your policy, I don't think is the way to go for, for most Democrats. What's your read on Stacey Abrams? Does she get in on her own or does she wait to be anointed the running mate? I just don't know at this point. I would have laughed, you know, laughed you out of here if you had suggested that to me a few months ago, I guess. But all the people who are running now, it just wouldn't surprise me at all. She figured, why not me? Well, everybody seems to think they should be running for president and losing your most recent election doesn't seem to be a hindrance to a lot of people. The good news for Beto is he probably won't have to have this dilemma about who to choose as a running mate, because uh, if the polls are anywhere close to being accurate, he's not going to be in position to make that choice. So. No, and I think he probably is starting to realize he ought to have run for Senate if he was going to run for anything rather than president. Yeah, and there's there's deadline opportunity there. He could run against John Cornyn uh, in Texas. Uh, we talked about Steve Bullock uh, just yesterday, I think, uh, possibly uh, switching to run against Steve Daines. That's certainly what uh, national Democrats are urging him to do because they don't think he's going to do much in the presidential race. But uh, we'll see. All right, on to our crazy martini now. And speaking of the 2020 Democratic primary, Uh, One candidate so far has done a town hall on the Fox News Channel, and that is Bernie Sanders, perhaps the furthest left of them all. Not too much away from Bernie Sanders on the ideological scale as Elizabeth Warren. She has turned down the Fox News Channel for a town hall, and she went on a rather lengthy Twitter rant to explain why. All right. Quote, I love town halls. I've done more than 70 since January. And I'm glad to have a television audience be a part of them. Fox News has invited me to do a town hall, but I'm turning them down. Here's why. Fox News is a hate-for-profit racket that gives a megaphone to racists and conspiracists. It's designed to turn us against each other, risking life and death consequences to provide cover for the corruption that's rotting our government and hollowing out our middle class. Hate-for-profit works only if there's a profit. So Fox News balances a mix of bigotry, racism, and outright lies with enough legit journalism to make the claim to it advertisers that it's a reputable news outlet. It's all about dragging in ad money, big ad money. But Fox News is struggling as more and more advertisers fill out of their hate-filled space. 
A Democratic town hall gives the Fox News sales team a way to tell potential sponsors it's safe to buy ads on Fox. No harm to their brand or reputation. Spoiler, it's not. But here's one place we can fight back. I won't ask millions of Democratic primary voters to tune into an outlet that profits from racism and hate in order to see our candidates, especially when Fox will make even more money adding our valuable audience to their ratings numbers. I'm running a campaign to reach all Americans. I take questions from the press and voters everywhere I go. I've already held town halls in 17 states and Puerto Rico, including West Virginia, Ohio, Georgia, Utah, Tennessee, Texas, Colorado, Mississippi, and Alabama. I've done 57 media avails and 131 interviews, taking over 1,100 questions from the press since just January. Fox News is welcome to come to my events just like any other outlet, but a Fox News town hall adds money to the hate-for-profit machine, to which I say... Hard pass. Alexandra, what do you make of this firm stand on principle from Senator Warren? Well, first of all, I mean, it's obviously not going to accomplish anything. So if she thinks this is really going to be a, a huge hit to the Fox News bottom line, she's <laughs> deluding herself. Um, so I think it's it's much less about principle and much more about virtue signaling to whatever subset of the Democratic primary uh, she thinks she's going to win over with this kind of progressive nonsense. It's based in no facts. I mean, I'm sure there's some programming on Fox News that I don't really agree with either, but it's not at all what she makes it out to be. Um, and I thought it was pretty interesting. I saw a poll just this morning from Morning Consult of um, Democratic primary voters, and it found that Fox News voters were more likely to say they supported Bernie Sanders than MSNBC voters. So I think there's some value to Democratic candidates to going on Fox. I think Bernie came off pretty well going on Fox. He looked like he was willing to talk to people and who knows, maybe appealed to, to some folks who he otherwise wouldn't have. So I think, you know, unless Warren is satisfied with the fact that she's being praised by Media Matters for having done this, she's not really accomplishing very much, practically speaking. My favorite reaction, and there's been several, but my favorite was from John Delaney. He's the former Maryland congressman who's literally been running for president for the past two years and apparently hasn't done much to raise his name recognition. Says, well, if she doesn't want it, I'll take it. So I'm sure Fox will get right on that with uh, where he's uh, bouncing along the bottom in the polls. But uh, it, it's, it's very interesting. I, I think you're going to get more people for the very reason you just mentioned, Alexandra, agreeing to this. Buttigieg, for example, has said he's willing uh, to talk uh, on Fox News to whether it's Chris Wallace or Brett Baer and, and Martha McCallum or whoever they would assign to that because you've got to reach a bigger audience than Hillary Clinton reached in, in 2016. And that's one way to do it. No, that's right. I believe his town hall is actually coming up this coming weekend. Um, Beto has said that he's willing to do it. And so has Kirsten Gillibrand, who I think is even trying to position herself as somehow more woke than Elizabeth Warren. So if she's willing to do it, I mean, it's, although <laughs> she's pretty low in the polls, that's probably part of it. Yeah, Gillibrand, I'm sure I'm sure would do it. So if Beto does this and then takes a lot of heat for it, how quickly will he apologize for having done it? Uh, I mean, <laughs> if it's any tra- his track record's any indication, probably the next day. <laughs> I think you're right. I think you're right. Alexandra, thanks so much for filling in for Jim the past few days. It's been a lot of fun, and we look forward to the next time. Of course. Great to be with you. Alexandra DeSanctis of National Review. In for Jim Garrity today. As mentioned, Jim should be back on Thursday. I'm Greg Corumbus of Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. Don't forget to visit our friends over at ZipRecruiter, and uh, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash martini. And tune in again Thursday for the next Three Martini Lunch.